All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and with me, of course, is Diana. Hello. And hello. this evening, we are joined all the way from Mexico this evening, our first international interview. No, it's um, not. With Kayla. Uh, no, it's not. I'm sorry. No, it's not. Yeah, it's Scott's listening. He's going to be upset. It's, it's our first Mexican interview. It's That's our what first I mean. Mexican, yes. <laughs> so it's been it's been a long day, but we are joined this evening by Kaylin McFerrin, author of Twisted Threads. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, Kaylin. It's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for your patience. I can meet through this. <laughs> we were just talking while while we were trying to walk you through it that we have to come up with some kind of tutorial on how to join Hangouts so we can send it to people. Um, before the show, so I, I that's that's going on the list. <laughs> so now this is one woman word, so it is customary to ask if uh, and what you are drinking this evening. Well, okay. Um, unfortunately, I'm I'm a big wine now. I love wine, all different kinds of wine. Um, but unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to enjoy partake this evening. So I'm going to want to get done talking with you folks. I'm going to go get drunk. No, but um, but I like all kinds of wines. I love Merlot. Merlot is my wine. Wine of choice when I'm writing. Nice, yeah. nice choice. Thank Everyone you. needs needs their their beverage of choice while they're writing. I feel like yes. mine is usually coffee because it's at four o'clock in the morning, and that's a little too early for wine. For, it is. For most, <laughs> most <people. laughs> so, Diana, what are you having tonight? What's that? What was that? Show? <laughs> oh, me? What am I drinking? Yes. Um, I'm drinking the high end label of uh, California Roots Pinot Grigio. Oh, that's one of my favorites too. I like Pinot Grigio. It's such a great yeah. value wine, and it's a great tasting wine. And the California Roots. It's only five dollars at Target. And, oh, yeah. Well, some of the best wines are cheap. You know, exactly, it's okay. Exactly. <laughs> and I've been a Pinot Grigio uh, convert since this fall, when we actually got to go to France and drink um, at some of the wineries there. And their specialty in Alsace is Pinot Grigio. So. Yeah, yeah. just my new favorite wine. It is. I, I love it. I, that's kind of my summer wine. So mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. Yeah, very nice. I'm an Oregonian from, mm -hmm. from Oregon. So gotcha. we're kind of the Pinot place, you know. Pinot mm -hmm. Noir is what it's all about there. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I am actually having wine this evening. I feel like last week I don't, did I have wine? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know I skipped a week somewhere. But I found this, it's called, um, it's a hard cider, and it's called Crispin Rosé. Oh, that looks nice. Yeah. And I was out, this is going to sound bad, but it's not. I was out getting all the beverages and snacks and everything for my daughter's fourth birthday party last weekend. And I was just pushing the cart past the wine section, and I saw that, and I said, you know what? I'm celebrating something today, too. So I bought that for myself, and I have one left over. Good for you. You enjoy. <laughs> so I saved one specifically for tonight because it's actually really good, and it's it it's like a perfect summer drink. Like sit out by the pool and not realizing that you're consuming alcohol. Hmm. Yes, you have to find that one. 
And I, I, mean, I don't judge you for getting alcohol while you're shopping around for your four-year-old's birthday party because, again, it is a four-year-old's birthday party. <laughs> and I'm sure there was a lot of fun toddler stuff happening where mommy really needed a glass of wine. I think well, so. <laughs> we, had, we had Rapunzel, so Rapunzel handled all the entertainment. So I just got to, like, sit back and watch. It was awesome. This <laughs> kind of party. <laughs> so I guess I mean we could probably talk about wine all night but we probably should talk about books too that's the other other half of the show um, but we were just talking about um, before the show started um, uh, Diana was telling us telling me a story about a friend who just got back from a cruise yeah she just got back yesterday and on her cruise a woman actually jumped from the ship Wow. Yeah. Did she survive? Yes. She is in stable condition. That's all I know. But the other thing mm -hmm. was that there was a bull shark following the ship when she jumped. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's a miracle that she survived. But it's, I don't know, there's something about cruise ships that kind of lend themselves to being a perfect mystery. Um, yeah. Is that was, what was it that drew you to? Right, yeah. being on a cruise ship. It was it was really interesting because my husband and I have taken a number of cruises, mm -hmm. and we we did to we went to Greece and we Portugal and did mm -hmm. and you know we've had some wonderful times on our trips, but there's always an incident. There's every time you go on a cruise. I hate to say that because it's not really fair to some people who really love cruising, but every time we've gone, there's either been an outbreak of some type of um, flu where there's so many people sick and they isolate you or there's some kind of incident or somebody's missing or there is some kind of um something's happened where they they um, go up to the bars and they have shut it all down because there's some kind of fight breaks out or something so it just seems like there's so many incidents that i kept thinking it would be fun if i took all bunch of incidents and put it into one book and make it the ultimate murder mystery cruise ship so that's what Twisted Threads is about. Yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it has that mm -hmm. that already, you know, kind of horror movie setting where there's nowhere to go. You know, no matter mm -hmm. what happens, you're you're stuck on that ship yes. with. And the that's murder. one of the bull shark bait. So I mean, <laughs> there, that's always an option, I'm yeah. sure. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Well, it was interesting because well, while I was doing this book, I had to do some research. And believe it or not, all the incidents that happened in this book actually did happen on on ships. It's nothing. Oh, every single, it's crazy. There is um, an incident where there was um, sword fighting. So if anybody sees, you know, reads the book and says, well, they couldn't bring swords on board, they find ways to do it. Um, <laughs> there was an incident where there's actually somebody was trapped in the elevator and was beheaded really happened. Um, there is, you know, every single incident in there, I took from real stories, from research, and just, but the thing is I brought them all together in one book. Mm -hmm. So I had to keep you, you know, the pages turning and keep your interest. And so I, I'm hoping that's what I accomplished here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, um, I mean, speaking mm -hmm. of sword fighting and, and beheading, mm -hmm. Um, the first time that we meet Akira at the very beginning of the book, um, yes. she's she's a very, and forgive my French, but she's a kick-ass assassin. I like, love 
Yeah. The first time you really meet her, I mean, you know, five minutes into meeting her, she's naked in the woods, covered in blood, bearing dead bodies. Yes. It's a very vivid introduction to a character. Yes. So how, where did her inspiration come from? Well, her book, her story actually, because this is a series, it's called the Thread Series, and her story actually starts in the second book that's called Buried Threads, which takes place in Japan. And she is, um, she starts out as a Michael, becomes a geisha. And while she's a geisha, she ends up being contracted to a member of a Yakuza gang. And he is killed. And she believes that the head of the Yakuza gang association actually is responsible for killing him. And so she tries to eliminate him by poisoning him. And when she fails at that, he forces her to become a trained assassin. So he basically, you know, punishes her in that, in that way. But in doing so, um, she has gone around and she's, she's gone through training and all kinds of skills and everything to become this assassin. But she's still this really naive person inside because she doesn't know the world like a lot of people would when it comes to relationships. She just knows it is what she's been trained to do. So on coming on board this ship, she's been trained to come there and eliminate someone who she believes is responsible for killing the Yakuza leader's sister in, a, in another trip. And in doing so on this, on this journey, she meets her love of her life and it kind of changes her, her whole perspective on how she feels about herself and how she moves forward. So it's kind of a complicated storyline. <laughs> why it has to be told in multiple books has to be called yeah it has to be yeah yeah it's a little bit yeah but it, but it truly stands alone it's you know it's a story about this particular person's journey mm -hmm. into finding herself mm -hmm. but it's uh it's it's kind of fun for people who are kind of into the mystery and thrillers and also they like a little bit of romance it kind of rolls it up together in one genre so very different kind of story for people yeah, I had a lot of fun writing it though. <laughs> so I spent a lot of late nights, putting a lot of hours in, um, and um, drinking a lot of wine. Yeah, part of a lot of late nights and wine. And there's that saying, uh, "Right drunk, edit sober." Uh, yes, that has worked very well for me. Yes. Year, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because some of my best writing is when I'm a little, you know, a little tipsy, and then you know, but. I agree with you on that and I find that so very true because when you've had the alcohol it takes away those inhibitions and it, yes. I think I personally think that it relaxes your mind enough so that you can feel free to not second guess yourself when you put down exactly. those words exactly yeah sometimes you might surprise yourself what you've written when you're sober yeah. <laughs> go back and you're like yeah. wow I am a genius when I am yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It tends to happen. <laughs> That's what I think every time that I'm drunk, that I am the funniest person alive and that I am a genius. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, so but yeah, but it was it's a very interesting, but it, it like ends this is the um so I'm going on, I'm gonna be doing a sci-fi. My next book's a very oh, different wow. kind of element. So I'm gonna do where it's basically it's about a stunt pilot, mm -hmm. a female stunt pilot. And she um, she inadvertently uh, hits another plane, clips a plane's wing, um, based on a true story, and it but it takes her back in time, 20 years earlier, 
So she encounters her father, who she never met, and develops a relationship with him and ultimately saves his life. So it changes wow. the whole, changes the future because of it. Yeah. Oh, it's very interesting. Really fun. Yeah, so I'm having fun with it right now. Complicated and fun. It's going to be a little bit, but it's going to be a standalone. It's not going to be a series, so. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be a very different kind of story for me to write. So I'm having fun with it. Um, oh, cool. Well, definitely have to come back on when that comes on. Definitely. Get that out. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. And with you, too. Will do. Will do. I'll bring sake. <laughs> okay, there you go. That works, too. Or the new, um, my friends have introduced me to the Korean. Uh, oh, shochu. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's yummy. It's good. Yeah. Dangerous. So dangerously yeah. good. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> um, we will go out for Korean barbecue with friends often. And it's, um, they'll get like the pictures of either watermelon, which tastes just like Jolly Ranchers. Or, um, yeah, mm. or cranberry. The cranberry yeah. one is really good. Michelle, oh, yeah. you would really like this. You get to I know. I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Great. <laughs> so, what kind of books do you? What kind of books do you guys like to read? Everything. 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 <laughs> no, we. I'm of the two of us. I'm the thriller, of thriller person. I I love I love all all genres, but thrillers are really kind of my favorite. Yes. And Diana is historical fiction. That's my oh. that's my main thing. Yeah, that's my um, that's what I'm writing, and that's why I do a lot of reviews of as a historical fiction. Very um, good. I also I enjoy fantasy and sci-fi. Like I like urban fantasy. When yes. I, when I need a break, I'm a huge fan of the Mercy Thompson mm -hmm. series. Oh, the fun. Briggs books. I love them. Um, Very good. Yeah. Well, my oldest daughter she writes historical fiction. Oh. Is, yeah, my oldest daughter is Christina McMorris, okay. and she does World War II okay. era, so 1940, 1930, 1940, 1950 era type books, mm. and um, but they're primarily about the war, and um, they're all based on a lot of research, but they're great stories, and she's mm -hmm. a USA Today New York Times bestseller now, oh, so wow. it's, yeah, so I have to watch for her. Yeah, she's very talented. Yes, I'll have to watch for her and you know mm -hmm. check to see if I've actually if I have read read the books because I mean does sound mm -hmm. somewhat familiar. Mm -hmm. um, then again, I've been coming reading so many stories <laughs> lately. <laughs> That's the one good thing and the bad thing about reviewing books is that you end up with just so many books that you end yeah. up having to re read and review. Um, yes. When Twisted Threads came through mm -hmm. for us, I was like, okay, this is definitely a Michelle book. <laughs> I know she's going to enjoy this. I'm just going to send this straight to her when I'm going to wait for me to yeah. read it. <laughs> yes, thrillers are definitely, definitely yes. my thing. And one of the, the things that I'm always so fascinated with about, you know, murder mysteries or thrillers are, is the writing process that the author went through because you yes. have to, you have to lay clues and you have to like drop hints through the story without yes. giving everything away so i'm always really interested in knowing like how how you map everything out or was it just kind of um organic the way that it developed okay um i know my after writing um you know three book three books in this series i kind of i knew what their quirks were their what their 
weaknesses were, where their strengths were, and how they would react when put together with other characters in the story. So that kind of was helpful for me. But what's interesting to me is a lot of writers and authors will do boards, you know, where they do sticky notes and they kind of plot out how each chapter is going to run. Mm-hmm. And um, but well, how I do my plotting is I do it on Pinterest. So if anybody wants to know what I'm writing next is if you go on my Pinterest boards, um, I actually plot my stories out by pictures. So I anticipate like what some, how somebody's going to look or what, what's going to happen to them in the story. And I kind of build it like building blocks, like a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And so as the story evolves, you know, I might insert certain things to happen, but I know what the story's going to be from beginning to end when I start it. So I almost dream up my stories. It's very unusual. Um, so I'm already plotting when I get almost two thirds through a book. I already know what the next book's going to be. I just my problem is I can't write fast enough. So you know, <laughs> I agree on that. Yeah. And so, but um, but that's yeah, it's totally how I plot. Totally on pin interest. It's a really handy tool. I think a lot of authors are starting to use it. So, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm starting to see book bloggers using it for books. Um, mm-hmm. And so usually, like, mine's just a mess with all sorts of cooking recipes. Uh, that's why I go to yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That's cool. Yeah, 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 you don't really need cookbooks that much anymore because it's, you know, really taken over that. Yeah. Um, between that and some of my uh, knitting stuff, I'm like, oh, Pinterest. Um, right. Yeah, I like that. That's such a great idea with the plotting, at least. Because yeah. I know, like, I'll gather together images for my stuff, for my book. And so I'll have images and ideas. And it's a right. nice thought to actually put that in your, in a mm-hmm. trust board to look at. Yeah, because I used to do it, like, almost like a journal, mm-hmm. you know, where I would, I'd put together, you know, um, all my characters and all their characteristics forever. And I would actually build, like, a journal while I, you know, in the process of writing. Mm-hmm. And I just found it's much easier for me. And therefore, I'm not writing a book to write a book, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just makes it a faster process. Yeah. I love hearing people's creative processes. Everybody's got something mm-hmm. slightly different. It is. It's fun. Yeah, you learn something new. <laughs> yeah, no two brains are the same. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's really, I don't think I've ever heard the Pinterest uh, storyboard before, but but it's so true. I mean, I've I've gone to Pinterest to look up um, outfit ideas for yes. for other periods or other mm-hmm. worlds, I guess, for me, because I don't know like how someone would dress, so I'll go to find like this the look that I that I want, and then find out what the pieces are all called because I don't know, mm-hmm. so I can actually describe it and sound like I know what I'm talking about, but. Now that you say that, you could take it a step forward and build your whole world on there. I, I might have to try that. I think it might be helpful. Yeah, you have to let me know how that works. <laughs> I will. I will. Because having that visual must be so much easier, especially if you ever get stuck on something. You can just go back and look at your your pins and, yes. and your board, and and it can help you out. Definitely, it definitely helps me. Yeah. Now. And I haven't read the previous books in the series. Where um, is Akira the only character that comes through, or were like Paul and Sarah and Devin were they um, in the uh, previous books as well? 
They, uh, all the characters that are in this book that are prime characters, they're, um, which are, you know, relatives that are related, um, have been in previous books, but they've been secondary characters. So you're kind of been introduced when you read Banish Threads, which is the book before this one. Um, you're introduced to all the British and English characters that are, that are introduced that are on the cruise ship. So anybody that reads that will have a better understanding of their dynamics and little twisted aspects like Sarah. She's a little bit quirky and strange. And, um, but you find out more about her, you know, in the previous story. And you're actually left on banished threads wondering if she is a murderer. So that's how the book ends. So you're not quite sure if she has killed somebody. And so bringing her on board this ship um, was really a lot of fun because I have a couple other people that have suspicion of doing murder or, or having had crimes against them brought together in one place and then putting them at a dinner table talking to each other when they're thinking the whole time that they would like to get rid of each other you know it's kind of fun so um but they are they're actually characters out of all the books so that that's why i kind of wrapped it all up in this one this was the finale that kind of brought them all together at the end yeah so it's fun that sounds like a lot of fun and sarah was actually one of the characters that like stood out to me the most especially you know having not read the previous books and this is my was my first introduction to her yes. she you know at first she seems like this very quiet you know mellow kind of mm -hmm. sideline type character where she doesn't mind she just goes with the flow and then all of a sudden paul has like this total breakdown about how her other husbands have disappeared and he doesn't know what happened to them. And then yes. you find out that Sarah isn't really this like laid back person that you think she is. Exactly. So, and yeah. how, like how fun was it for you? I mean, you've carried these characters for through several stories now to see how the characters developed um, over the course of the series. It was, it was really, I think that was the most fun for me is because they all, as each book goes, you know, for any writer, your whole point is to try to grow your, your character to, to make them have changes in their lives so that, you know, there's a, a, you know, some type of plot or something, but something that changes them before they, by the end of the book, they're a different personality or they've solved their problem or whatever it is. But in doing all of them together was really fun because it was like a slow progress going up a mountainside and then gradually getting, you know, you get to the very top of the hill and you're coming down. And, um, but bringing them all into the whole circle of life per se, where they all kind of finalized all the, the issues that they needed to do. Sarah, who ultimately, um, you find out she's a little quirky and crazy and so forth. But we knew that, you know, when you were introduced to her, but you didn't know to what extreme. And Akira, who finally finds her solutions to, in her life that she needed. But each one of them has been a process of growth throughout the whole series. And so it was fun finishing it. But I, now I get people emailing me and calling and so forth going, oh, you can't end it. You know, you have to keep going because they're all attached to these people. You know, and they, some people actually write to me and, and talk about them like they're real, kind of like soap opera characters, you know. Mm -hmm. And they think they're real people. So they don't want them to go away. They don't want the stories to end. So I don't know, maybe someday bring one back, but I'm kind of ready after doing four books. I'm kind of something new. So yeah, I can understand that. I've uh, talked to yeah. her on the show yeah. before. Um, she's a comic book 
artist and she created this comic book series and she's like we were talking about how much of um a bittersweet uh concept it is where people just if they love your series and they want more and more of your series mm -hmm. yes. it's like you're stuck you've got you know you she kind of you kind yeah. of feel like you okay you've got to produce more of the series even though you want to do something else and maybe take a break and write another yes. one or two books they're right. like no, no no we want this series because her initial for the series the comic book series that she did um it was supposed to be a one-off they're supposed to it was just one comic that she did and yes. everybody loved it so much that they mm -hmm. begged her to do more and now she's on like comic number five and she's like yeah I'm intending on doing this as a series so yeah it's, it's kind of a good thing it's you know yeah it's not always planned you know it's yeah. when i when i initially did severed threads the first book in this series um i hadn't planned i didn't plan it to make it a series oh. i didn't i it's like i fell in love with the characters you know and it's um and i left it deliberately left it on a hook that someday maybe if i wanted to come back and write another installment in the book i could because it's mm -hmm. like they end up at the end of the first book they end up getting um invited to go to japan to look for treasure there and so you could have ended there but i thought you know what i'm having so much fun i think i'll just keep going but it i think there's a point when you have to just make up your mind or do you want to keep this going or do you want to move on to something else and i think i just i i loved it so much but i i felt like i knew my characters so well i don't know if i could really make them grow any more than they already have you know <laughs> yeah leave it on a high it's always a leave good them thing. on a high yeah, yeah leave them happy you know good so, yeah definitely <laughs> well we're so happy to have, to have been able to check out your book and have you join Thank us you. on the show. Um, you have to absolutely keep in touch with us and let us know when your sci-fi book is done. Because Will do. That yes. sounds fabulous. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for bearing with us through the technical difficulties. Oh, thank you for bearing with me. I'm so oh, new at all. Yes. Um, so we are gonna switch over now and start talking about our book of the month. And like I said, you're welcome to stay and hang out. Or if you would like to go check out your wine, totally understand. I will not keep you from your alcohol. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think it'll call it a night, ladies. So you enjoy your evening. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Have Thank a glass you. for each of us in addition to your own. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good Come evening. On. Take you care. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are switching over now to start talking about, and I did receive my copy now, The Lost Season of Love and Snow. And what's unique about this particular book that is if you open it to the title page here, oh, why yes, that is a signature <laughs> and a note from the author, and she spelled my name right, which is really exciting. That's because I was there. I know. <laughs> and she asked me, and I told the joke. I was like, her parents could only afford one L. <laughs> <laughs> the joke that I'm sure you've heard a thousand times that for me never gets old. It's funny still. I like it. Okay. Before we go on, though, we do have a couple of announcements for everybody. Um, for those of you who are listening, we are a little bit behind on loading up some of our podcasts. Uh, we need to do some editing for Dennis's um so this so don't worry we'll get that up so you guys can listen to dennis and um i'll get everything else uh loaded up hopefully tonight possibly tomorrow 
I don't know. Boca de Oro just totally took, yeah, took me for a loop. Um, but the bigger news that we have, because I got to see Jennifer in person in, on Saturday, she left us a couple of gifts to share with you guys since she will be on at the end of the month. Uh, we have not one, not one, but two copies of Lost Season of Love and Snow that we will be giving out to you guys. So the raffle copter is live right now. Um, well, the link is on our Facebook page at present. We will be tweeting it out and sharing it with the world uh, to be able to get your entry uh, for this wonderful contest. Uh, you have to either follow Michelle, myself, or Jennifer on Twitter. Um, or you can also, or in addition to all of those, you can do all three of those. Plus, you can go to iTunes and rate us on iTunes, which you totally need to do because um, we will love you forever and ever and ever and possibly give you a book for it um, as long but you know hopefully it's like three plus stars I would prefer that <laughs> two stars because that would be really crappy if you guys go and rate us one star and you go into the entry and <laughs> you give us one star so don't be dicks don't give us <laughs> <a> one star <laughs> if there's anything we learned from tonight's podcast people don't be dicks. <laughs> I mean, we're fun. We're fun to listen to. I'm lovable. I like to think that I am lovable. And My husband is trying really hard not to pay attention to what we're saying right now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so go do all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I, since this arrived this afternoon, unfortunately, I have not been able to start reading it. But... We are going to talk about the people the book is about because this is historical fiction and they are, it is based on real people. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, before we get into this, I want to stand on my soapbox here. So, excuse me, people, soapbox time. Because this issue has come up recently with The Greatest Showman. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. I just, I read a few articles and I know what you're going to say. I read a couple articles about the historical inaccuracies of the movie. And then I saw the one that Greer posted this mm -hmm. evening about Jenny Lind. Yes, and that is a soapbox I'm getting on is about Jenny Lind. Um, because I read that article. Because, I mean, okay, P.T. Barnum was a dick. I think that is the theme of the night is dicks. Don't be a dick, and this is what happens when you are a dick. You get a movie made out of made about you, and then people complain about it. Or people just end up hating you. Um, he was a very awful person in general. He did a lot of bad things. And so the movie white, literally whitewashes all of that. And it makes him out to be this dreamer who wanted to create something wonderful. Um, but then, the, did you read the article in full, Michelle, about Jenny Lind? I, I skimmed it. But I mean, but I had read that the whole, I mean, apart from how they met, that part was accurate, and they did go on tour, mm -hmm. um, but the details after that were blurry in the yeah, movie. Yeah, they did not have a romantic relationship. Um, so, yeah, after the fact, spoilers on the movie. Um, so they did not have a romantic relationship, and in the movie, they paint her out to be a villain, when in reality, they had a business relationship, 
she didn't like the way that he handled the business and the way he was handling the tickets. And she said, you know what? My contract gives me an out. I'm going to take my out. Nice knowing you. And then she takes off and goes to do business with somebody else. There is no harsh feelings. She is not a pyro. She does not burn down his museum. And the movie takes her and turns her into this villain when it shouldn't have done so. It created a villain and smeared her name for no reason, just to create some drama, which I'm sure there was plenty of drama that could be created because I'm sure he had enemies that they could have put in there. But no, they wanted to just smear and make the woman the bad guy because they're lazy-ass writers. And this is historical fiction, and when people look at historical fiction, whether it is a movie, whether it is a book, they're going to take you at your word, and they're going to think that what you're saying is true. So if you're going to do historical fiction in any way, shape, or form, get your freaking facts right. And there is enough drama in, histor in history where you can just have a bad guy and I need to drink more wine. In the words of Chevy Chase and National Lampoons, hallelujah, where's the aspirin? Well, that being said, I thought, I mean, historical facts aside, uh -huh. I did think the movie was amazing. Okay. Like if, if you're just taking it as a movie, if you're not taking it as based on fact, if you're just taking it as from an entertainment standpoint, it was gorgeous. And the songs were amazing and the acting was amazing. And one of the greatest love storylines in that movie never existed in real life. So I am okay with that. I was actually kind of bummed out that Philip Carlyle and Zendaya's character, can't think of her name right now, didn't exist because I loved that story. But mm -hmm. anyway. But that is Diana's Soapbox for the evening. Yes. Yeah, I think this should be a segment, Diana's Soapbox mm -hmm. for the evening. But we are going to talk about Alexander Pushkin and Natalia uh, totally going to butcher her last name, Goncharova. Um, Pretty close. When it, we have Jenna, we'll have to make her say it properly. And I love, I mean, I, I love the Russian language. I was reading about, I was, re I was in research mode, and I was reading about Alexander and Natalia, and um, I found this article, and I'm sure Jennifer probably came across this. I, I would assume that she must have in her research. Um, there was an article in Newsweek from a couple of years ago saying how Natalia is finally kind of being resurrected and given the, the reputation that she deserves because she was totally smeared mm -hmm. for no good reason after Alexander Pushkin was, was killed. She was the bitch who got uh, the country's favorite poet killed. And when Jennifer talked about the book on Saturday, she what made her uh, curious about it was when she was studying Russian history, Natalia's name kept coming up. And it kept coming up as pretty much that bitch who got Alexander killed. And she was like, well, what's the story on this? I need to find out about this. And the more she dug, the more she found that he wasn't, it wasn't really necessarily her fault, but she was one of these women in history who got that bad rap, who got this bad reputation, mostly through no fault of her own. And so she took the story and ran with it. 
And I was um, in, in an, I don't know if it was the same article or a different article, but there was a historian who wrote um, a biography on Natalia and she found all these letters that the, and diaries that Natalia kept and these letters that she saved from Alexander. And I don't really know much about Alexander Pushkin. I know that he was a poet. I know that he was Russian. That's about it. Um, I got one of his poems. Did you, were, were you able to find one of his poems? Well, I, I read, uh, so I, in reading, I read a few of like the plot lines of some of his stories and some of his poems. And I do want to start reading him because they sound really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but they, what was I saying? Uh, oh, one of the letters. I feel like maybe he might not has been have been this squeaky clean poet that everyone like worships, only because in the letter he was kind of a dick to his wife. She wrote him this little poem to make him happy because her husband's a poet, and he wrote back telling her not to write him poems because he's tired of his own. Yeah, that's really dickish. Again, people, don't be a dick. <laughs> so, okay, so when I went and did the review, because you guys can check out my uh, review of the book, um, I did it on January 10th on Creating Her Story, I found a, um, a poem that I thought was really fitting for the book. And um, the poem is, Not long ago, in a charming dream, I saw myself, a king with crown's treasure, I was in love with you, it seemed, and heart was beating with a pleasure. I sang my passion sung by your enchanting knees. Why dreams you don't prolong my happiness forever? But gods deprive me of, deprive me not of whole their favor. I only lost the kingdom of my dreams. That's what I want. Huh? Well, I mean, anyone can write a poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, but he did love this woman like mm -hmm. completely. And can can we just pause? So she was supposed to be the most beautiful woman in Russia. That's what the the czar said that, mm -hmm. that she was the most beautiful woman in Russia. So of course, every other woman in Russia hated her. Mm -hmm. um, but the man who, who ultimately killed her husband was her brother-in-law yeah because he told Natalia like dropped to his knees in front of her in court in front of everyone else and begged her to be his and run away from him he was already married and someone and if, if she didn't do that then he would put a bullet in his brain and for fuck's sake, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Again, guys, don't be a dick. That um, is being a dick. And so naturally, you know, Alexander was a little irked that mm -hmm. someone would be telling that to his wife. And which he has an absolute right to be irked by. Let's let's take a pause here. And for those of you who are like, oh well, he's trying to do a romantic gesture. Let's take two things into consideration. One, he is still married to her sister. Two, she is married. Three, he professed his love 
in the most important room in all of Russia, in front of the nobility and everything, basically parliament, you know, governing body, anything that's of importance happens there. So he professes his love there to her in front of everybody. And I can only imagine her complete embarrassment. Yeah, and something happened, like a, a, a kid ran into the room or something and kind of took everyone's attention away. So she was able to skedaddle mm -hmm. in a different direction. But I don't know if you knew this, but this was also the second time that Alexander had challenged Georges Dantes to a duel. Mm. Uh, he rescinded his first challenge because George proposed to Natalia's sister. Mm. And then the second time, you know, I guess you can't, can't piss off the same Russian twice. And I've heard some stories about the Russians. <laughs> my husband and my soon-to-be brother-in-law, um, they both have worked with the Russians in the military. And yeah. Russians, they be crazy sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have done some crazy shit. And yeah, you don't piss off a Russian because you never know what they're going to do and what they're going to pull on you. True story. And then after the duel, I mean, I, I don't know. Am I, am I giving spoilers here? Well, it's history. I mean, so it's not really like, I mean we know he dies in a duel. We know this happens. So, and then, okay, I just pulled up little facts about the, the duel and everything. But this is what women, like, I, I really don't understand in, you know, women, have, we really need to stick together and support each other instead of tearing each other down. But Anna, another poet who was, there are two female poets who are kind of the I, I don't know, you have to ask Jennifer, I don't know if they were as good as Pushkin, but like the female counterpart, counterparts, but they were very well known as poets in their own right. But they kind of rose up as the mean girls of Natalia's existence. So one of them was Anna Akhmatova and or no, I'm sorry, one of them was Marina, I don't know, starts with a T with a lot of consonants, <laughs> wrote that Natalia was a beauty and nothing else, just a beauty without a brain, a soul, a heart, without any talent, nude beauty striking like a sword, and she struck. Like, Ouch. damn. <laughs> yeah, that is some, that's a cool takedown. Nude, nude beauty striking like a sword, and she struck. That's, that's wrong. So for a very long time, Natalia has not been highly regarded in Russian history, but now they're starting to bring her back and give her, you know, not, I mean, I don't know if credit is the right word, but. A voice. Her, giving her a voice so that she could tell her side of the story. And they just, Russia just, uh, I think the article was from 2012. So this is a few years back. Um, because it just clicked for me that it's 2018, so that was six years ago now. Um, but Russia hosted this huge ball for uh, Natalia's 200th birthday. Mm -hmm. And it was like very, 
of of her time of, of the period so mm -hmm. the all the officers wore their uniforms and their medals and they had a band playing similar music that would have played at the christmas ball where she oh, met cool. alexander so I, I have to see if maybe there's video or photos or something because that would be cool to see that would be really cool we'll have to post it on the facebook page um which you guys should all be following um what I love is that Tolstoy makes an appearance. Tolstoy is my favorite Russian author. And he was a friend of Pushkin's. So he makes an appearance in, the, in this book. And I swear to God, if I ever get, Brian ever allows me a male dog, I'm going to name it Tolstoy. <laughs> he likes his female dogs, but I want a, I want a little boy dachshund and I want to name him Tolstoy. Oh my gosh, um, he's so cute. Right? Isn't that the cutest name for a dog? And guys, if you if you guys are thinking about getting a dog and you want to name your dog Tolstoy, I will not be offended. You can you can take the name and you can use it because it's not like with a kid name, you know. Um, but you can use it. But you guys send me pictures. I want to see this these pictures of your dog named Tolstoy. Um, but one of the things I like about it because there's Russian literature is very distinct, at least during this time period, uh, where you've got all these families and you find out about the histories of all these families and there's this very specific writing style of Tolstoy and I'm sure of Pushkin too since they're friends and contemporaries um you see it in War and Peace and Anna Karenina um where it's a very 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 Russian style and this this book actually has a feeling of it you know she doesn't fully capture that which is okay because war and peace was a hard book to get through i recommend guys checking out the lifetime uh, mini series on it um <laughs> because war and peace is thick i'm still trying to get through anna karenina and i've got it on audiobook um and literally two chapters possibly three if i remember correctly are all about the history of these families and just setting up these families um before you even get to anna i haven't even i i took a break from it before i even got to anna i think anna was just starting to arrive um it's like tolkien and lord of the that was one reason why i couldn't read lord of the rings was every single time a new character comes in all of a sudden you're reading like 17 generations back and who right, is such a thing as his info dump <laughs> you can't dump too much information on a reader by the time you get back to the story, I forgot, like, after reading about the family tree, I forgot what was happening in the story. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And the prologue for this is beautiful. And I am, I've got a thing lately about prologues, um, writing beautiful prologues. And, yeah, Michelle read one of the new ones of the stories I'm playing with. Um, it was a good prologue. And it's nice, short prologue. Just, you know, I just picture that being one page to really set the mood for the book. Anyways, Jennifer's prologue is gorgeous. Um, that's what really sold me on the book. Um, it starts off, a man will say, man, a man says he will die for you. A woman is taught to lower her gaze and blush before hiding once more behind a silken fan. Men are given to self-aggrandizement. See, this is what happens when you do a reading after too much wine. <laughs> um, while women flatter egos and keep men tied to this earth. Such is the way of the world, or so I was taught in the days before I gained a reputation as a villain of St. Petersburg. I know better. When a man declares he will die for you, sometimes a woman must take him at his word. 
for to allow one's husband to perish on the field of honor is a shameful affair, worse even than murdering him by your own hand. I love that those paragraphs. And those are beautiful paragraphs. Sorry, I was looking at the cover. It's a really pretty cover. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? That's is just, that goes, I think we should have, there needs to be an award for the most beautiful covers. Yeah. My mom, covers. my mom is in town and she saw the cover for this and she's like, oh, what is that book? That looks like a book that I can get into. <laughs> is your mother going to steal that book from you? No, no. She, she can get her own copy. <laughs> or you can be a good daughter and you can buy her a copy. I could do that too. Or she can actually put in and follow us on Twitter and give us or and or give us a rating on Instagram and she can win a copy. Ah, bringing it back oh. full circle for those of you who are listening. Full circle. Because <laughs> we're good at that. That and drinking and reading. So I'm very much looking forward to starting the book. I might start it tonight. I hope I didn't intend to drink this whole thing. I mean, it's like uh -huh. the wine cooler. It's, yeah, so. it's wine cooler. That's not very big. That's not like what I've done in past episodes where I've drank in the whole bottle of wine in one episode. I mean, it's 12 ounces, so that's what? Not that much. Two glasses of wine? Yeah, if that. Two glasses, if, depending upon the size of the glass. But funny story, guys. Okay, so... I was at Genre LA, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And Deborah Pratt was one of um, was one of our guests or on the panel with me for the keynote luncheon. And if you guys recall, Deborah was on the show in January. She was our book of the month, and we had that wonderful drinking game where we had a word where we had to see outstanding. So before we do our panel, and it was a very serious panel dealing with like Me Too movement and all that stuff. So she's so we're talking. I was like. So are we going to have a word of the day like we had on the show? And she just starts laughing. She's like, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. And she, and so I explained to the person next to us, Chad Strop, who was a, um, who's writes comics and horror. Actually, he's going to be doing a comic, I think. And then he does some horror books. Really cool author. Really cool guy. If you guys are into horror, check him out. So we explained to them what happened on the episode. And after the episode air, a friend of mine went on the, went and watched the show and he was, he texted me and goes, so how much wine do you and Michelle go through on an episode? And I was like, not that much, not as much as you would think. And he was like, okay, cause you guys went through an awful lot of wine on that show. And I told this to Deborah, and Deborah was like, well, I didn't drink more than a glass. I don't think you and Michelle did. Did anybody drink more than a glass? And slowly, I'm sitting across the table from her, slowly, just raise my hand. <laughs> my head in shame. I'm pretty sure I, <laughs> I had more than one glass that night. Group. What was that? I'm pretty sure I had more than one glass that night. I mean, I had a couple glasses before the show because I was at my cousin's house, and it was family reunion, and <laughs> we're Italian, so wine and pizza. Yeah, what else do you drink? That sounds so good right now. I oh wish we didn't just throw out all the pizza from Lily's party. Damn it, now you make me want to go get pizza tomorrow. Don't be a dick, Michelle. Mm. I'm trying to diet. I am I am a supportive friend who encourages you to eat what you want and follow your dreams. If your dreams are pizza, then go for it. 
If I get vegetarian pizza, would that be part of my diet? I think you can count that. Yeah, I think I can too. Get thin crust. There are few, fewer carbs if it's thin crust. There you go. But I mean, that's the whole draw of pizza is the carbs, right? Well, it's the carbs, the tomato sauce, and the cheese. See, I hate tomato sauce. I'm like the, probably like the worst Italian in the world. I hate when people put too much tomato sauce on pizza. It ruins it for me. But you can't do too much sauce. There's a, a happy medium for your tomato sauce on a pizza. Like, I don't like when you bite it and tomato sauce oozes up through the cheese. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Now, I am looking forward to doing some deep dish pizza with you while we're in Chicago. It's pretty good. I never thought I would like deep dish pizza, but oh my gosh, it is so good. You need like a slice and you're full. Mm. Well, we could share one. It would be awesome. Um, By the way, sorry, I found another Blues Brothers filming location for our photo shoot. Are we seriously going to do it? Because I need to buy a suit uh, before I do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about it and I was, because I'm going to go out and I'm going to visit Michelle. I was thinking about doing WizardCon, but I'm thinking we might not do wizard con because i feel like there's too much that we need to do while we're in chicago i mean we got to go to the tiki bar we got to go check out the blues brothers locations um there's a lot there's a lot of bookstores that we have to visit bookstores nutella cafe the american writers museum yes american writers museum the bean well we can end i mean american writers museum we just it's Good to introduce ourselves so they know who they'll be featuring. Yes, yes, exactly. I need to walk up to them, shake their hand, and be like, "Hello, I'm a future entrant." Instead, <laughs> I want you to see see this nice big corner right here. Yeah, that's gonna be my space right there. So just go ahead and put the reserve sign there for me. I would like to spot by the window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want by the window because I don't want my books to get UV damage. Oh, and my photos smart. to get UV damage? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you can take the window spot if you'd like, because then, you know, your books can look out over the, the Chicago skyline. I'm assuming a Chicago skyline. There is a Chicago skyline. It's really yeah. pretty. Yeah. I want to do the, the glass platform thing. Have you seen that? And I forget. I think it's like the... Is there a child awake? There is a child awake. Um... I don't know which child it is. They sound so alike sometimes. It's really hard to tell. I think it's Landon. Wait till one hits puberty. There's a building. I want to say it's like the John Hancock building. And oh, it sure is Landon. Oh, it's both of them. Well, we've hit our 930 mark. So if you do need to go. Oh my gosh. Look at that bed head. That is some serious <laughs> bed head. Ah. It's never a good sign when both of them come downstairs. Mm -hmm. But really quick, there's a John, I think it's the John Hancock building in Chicago. Uh -huh. And they have like a 360 degree thing of view at the top. Mm -hmm. And they have an observation deck that's glass. You can go out and stand on the glass and look down. I want to do that. And then, isn't there a mob tour? My mom's been to Chicago. She said that she went on a mob tour. I kind of want to go on the mob tour. That would be fun. Even though I have a mixed feelings about the mafia history in the United States, it's still part of our cultural history. So I do want to go check that out. 
I think that would be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's so much we're gonna do that I don't think I'm gonna have to talk to Ryan because I don't think Wisconsin's gonna fit. True. Because I mean, I'm only gonna get like what four days. And so we're just not gonna sleep for four days. Yeah. No. No. Sleeping is overrated, as Landon can tell you. You don't get to sleep, mommy. That's why you have coffee. All right. Oh dear. All right. Well, I will let you go, you guys. Keep reading Lost Season of Love and Snow. We will talk, be talking about it more next week. And then keep an eye out on our Twitter feed and our Facebook page so that we so you can get your entries in. You guys have a great night. Good luck. Good night, Good night everybody.